Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 490, the last 10. I think it turns out we worked out it was going to be about August the 2nd, I think, or maybe it was August the 11th. I've forgotten. I should actually have that written down somewhere. They were going to hit 500. So, uh, yeah, jolly good. And um, this is the podcast to do with music technology and music production and software and synthesizers, drum machines, all that kind of good stuff, technology about doing live production, anything to do with the technology surrounding the performance or recording or creation of music. That about sums it up. If you want to subscribe, please do, because uh, I'm very excited. We're at 9, 99,916 at the moment, Woo-hoo. so it's pretty damn close to that magic hundred. I guess we have to hold over it for a little while while they kind of, because they wouldn't want to print your you know, send your, your play disc out and then find that you drop below night. Uh, uh, so you probably have to get a decent <laughs> amount over. But I'm quite excited. We can have a little kind of celebration here when it happens. Anyway, um, I want to say thank you to our sponsors. They're providing a prize for this week's show, which is Isotope. Uh, Isotope will be giving away a copy of Neutron. Uh, more information about that a little bit later. So let's get on to my guests. Uh, we'll start over here with uh, Charles Chicky Reeves, who's in his uh, rather fabulously equipped studio there in London. Um, Charles is front house engineer, composer, writer, uh, recording engineer, all, all those good things. How are you, Charles? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. It's really great to be back. I wasn't here last week or... Well, we weren't here the week before because... Uh, and the week before, we yeah. So it's been a while. It's been a little it while. So like... it's, re- it's great to be back, though. I'm really happy. Well, we're glad to have you, of course. Uh, you can find out uh, more about him at uh, Sublime dash uk.com amongst many other places there he goes <laughs> excellent we also have mr gaz williams gaz williams haven't seen you for a while you've been off gallivanting around the country playing in the hottest uh festival and covers prospect at the moment with the charlotte church <laughs> pop dungeon how's it all going gaz ah uh, it's amazing it's so much fun yeah uh, it's been going so well uh and um yeah i mean for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a sort of really... Charlotte is um, an incredible singer, but instead of, uh, sort of going out and doing typical stuff, we're just doing a really peculiar mishmash of all kinds of songs. It's essentially covers, but all, I don't know, kind of bashed together. And uh, it's brilliant. It's really good fun. There's a lot of stuff that goes, you know, from heavy metal to sort of deep soul to sort of funk, you know, like, you know, like funkadelic bit of you know um all sorts of stuff. yeah it's great yeah. it's great stuff you're playing bass right just bass or you got the synth going in that uh, uh, as well i have used the um the industrial radio midi bass with it but on this tour i'm using bass with uh, a load of effects um so using lots of sort of uh sub octavers and fuzz and various things but um it's been great on the tour so far everything that should happen on tour is happened including getting busted by the police for a, a lewd and lascivious act in brighton on friday is that possible <laughs> i don't think that's possible in brighton what did you do guys did you move well it wasn't so much me it was more me encouraging one of the members to um have uh strange shenanigans with a statue in someone's garden so it was a case of um oh boy trespassing <laughs> i hope you're keeping a journal here we want to i think there's a book in it somewhere surely <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't know. No, uh, it's probably best forgotten, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a lot of fun. And you, uh, what else are you up to then? I mean, guess that's, is that like most of the time at the moment? Or have you got some gaps? Um, no, well, 
the tour's just coming to an end. I'm back for a few days, uh, and then we've got quite a few festival dates going on. You know, some very interesting dates, uh, taking part in Hull City of Culture and Edinburgh Festival and various other things, you know, sort of um, maybe not expected, you know, things you wouldn't normally do on the sort of gigging circuit. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, various productions on. In fact, Charlotte's partner, Johnny, we've just started work on his new album. Excellent. Very tasty. Yeah. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Well, hopefully we'll get some of you uh, sometime over the summer as well. I think we were going to do uh, something on the new Hallion, I believe, if I remember correctly. So, but anyway, it's good that you're busy. I'm always pleased to know that. And uh, I guess neither of you two, just briefly, neither of you two got the, um, uh, were on the super, post super booth uh, thing. I don't know if you, either of you guys saw anything that you kind of want to chip in now while we're, while we're still, it's still relatively fresh in my mind, at least because it'll be gone soon. Yeah, well, the only thing about Superbooth is I, I've actually talked to a couple of other people actually today about how much I want to go next year. So that's it. <laughs> I just really want to go. Oh, I love, by the way, I love the video of you getting lost. For, that's ten, for 10 hours, yeah. For 10 hours. The spinal tap moment. Yeah, that's very that funny. <laughs> yeah, it's good just fun. Take a little jog. I, well, we don't have time for that. No, it was great. Absolutely loved it. Loved it. Loved good it. fun. I know, guys, did you see anything that uh, piqued your interest? Oh, yeah, loads of things. But I mean, uh, I thought Circuit, um, the mono, what's it Mono called? Station. Mono Station. Very cool. Interesting development there. You know, they're just like smashing together two of their biggest successes. And uh, so that's that's cool. That's really good. Um, the uh, the Peak also. I mean, you've got one in for reviews. Right? I have. Yeah, I've been playing with the Peak. I got a firmware update. I've been kind of, I haven't gone because I posted a video last week, which was kind of, I've got one. Here's kind of the rough architect architecture. Here's a few sounds. Uh, and I've held off because I, I know there's some more uh, firmware coming because it's not quite fully baked yet. And I don't like, if I can help it, you know, leaving anything that that might kind of be fixed if I can. So, but but yeah, I have got it. It's, it looks good, doesn't it? I mean, <clears throat> well, I, that was quite just, I thought, again, doing exactly what they should be doing, really, with their heritage there, I think. Um, but their Bastel instruments there, uh, Time or is it thyme? Are they saying? I'm not sure. I haven't watched that video. Ed shot that video, um, but yeah, Ed. Of course, I should mention again. Uh, at least fifty percent of the videos from Superbooth were from Ed, who soldered through a heavy cold. So props to you, Ed. <laughs> but yeah, uh, um, there's there's loads of this kind of groovy stuff there. Definitely. Yeah, I mean that's something I particularly am interested in is very hands-on effects units. You know that sort of thing. Um, as opposed to so i've got so many signal generators now i just want to be able to uh warp and twist and that looks like a really really cool little thing yeah I, is it some sort of a delay sorry i don't even know what yeah, it essentially, is essentially <laughs> it's essentially a delay but you can um you can sort of do step sequencing with it so you can ah. kind of create uh different delay types on each step and uh, a whole bunch of other things uh it just looks like exactly the sort of thing to uh waste an awful lot of time with oh <laughs> nice pun there i like that or time time yeah a lot of time yeah <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the kind of thing I'd love to have live, actually, because I, I love stuff like that. U using that sort of stuff and mixing live, because I take with me a Chaos Pad three and a Memory Man and stuff like that, and I just I love just using <laughs> stomp boxes and stuff like that live. It's just such a nice sound. So oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Also, I imagine if you're doing that kind of thing live, it also makes you kind of irreplaceable in many ways yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, my my live rig, besides the console, that I use a SXL live or SXL, you know, Avid SXL. But um, but my outboard, I have like 
main stage with four different effects things running that are all timed to whatever the set list says. And then, like I said, I have the memory man, I have the chaos pad. Occasionally, I have a few other things, like I've got a space echo, things like that, very proprietary right. sort of stuff. And I also usually supply all the microphones, too, because ah. I have a certain sound I want. Oh, no, that's brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. So I have very, I have very proprietary live setup, so... Right. Well, that sounds like a great idea. Right. Um, what about this, though? Hey, eh? this is kind of uh, pretty big news, isn't it? I remember the first time that I saw Reason, and I was really amazed at just how consistent the entire aesthetic was and the workflow was, and geeking out on the way that the cables moved. Our background is in building instruments. That's what we've always done. We always thought about the whole rack and everything in Reason as the super instrument that we always wanted to create. It does what it does well, and you can't get that somewhere else. I thought they were going to get to the fact that actually they've just announced Reason, <laughs> VST Reasons, but they're doing the build first. So yeah, big news. This is uh, Reason 9. Point, uh, is it 9.5? Yeah. Will now support VST plugins, and it looks like it's integrated with the kind of patch cables around the back. Now, I don't know whether that means they have to be specially baked versions or they just take the I.O. that the VST has and represents them as uh, uh, um, patch points on the back of the rack. Uh, I think that might be the case because obviously you wouldn't want to do that. But it's pretty big news, right? Yeah, as I understand it. Um, okay, well, let me first say I love Reason. I, I started out using Reason as a instrument rack and then Pro Tools in the background or vice versa. And I love Reason. The the one limitation of it in the past was that you couldn't do audio in it. Then, and they said, we're never going to add audio. And of course, then they add audio. And right now, the, I love it. Like, like I love all the, the refills and I, the Abbey Road pianos, all that kind of stuff. I just absolutely love that. But the limitation of it is I'm not a big fan of the synths that are in it. Um, I mean, they're okay, but it's just it's not, not my sound at all. But I love VST synths. And the fact that you can integrate these VST synths in there means I might make a pretty heavy switch to reason now. Um, really? Absolutely okay. Love the idea of that. But um, yeah, supposedly what they're doing is they've got, uh, when you, you take a, a VST instrument and you drag it into the rack and it creates a shell around it where you can open it up and still edit it and everything, but it's, um, but it's, it's within their shell. Does that make sense? Is it a wrapper then? Have they got a, a wrapper thing going on? Ah, it's, okay. Yeah. For, for lack of a better term, it's a wrapper. Yeah. That's what it is. And, uh, and, you know, it looks flawless. I'm, I'm anxious to try it. I didn't sign up for the beta, mainly because I don't have time for beta stuff because I'm busy doing other things. But it comes out at the end of May, and uh, I'm sort of on a tour at that time. But I'll have a little time off to experiment with it when it comes comes out. It is interesting, though, the way that they said it would never, ever happen. I mean, because I think one of the things that the reason people say is, you know, the fact that it's not full of VSTs with all their kind of, you know, quirks and foibles it makes it very, very stable. So that's probably one of the things. But, I mean, I suspect there are reasons behind this. I, I, I don't use reason myself, so I'm glad that you do because uh, I know that people who do uh, seem to be very evangelical about it, which is a good sign, I think. And then there's sometimes an evangelism about things because they're like, I've made this choice and I, f I feel like I've got to justify it. And then there's reasons why because it's yeah. actually great and yeah. that I want to use it. So it seems like the latter there rather than the former. That That does happen a lot. Uh, was what one thing I was going to say is one of the reasons I actually found Sonic Talk online was because I was looking for a Reason tutorial, and there you guys had talked about Reason Eight when it came out, but there was no table of contents as to where things were in the in the show. So ah. I had to watch the whole show, and then Dave Robinson <laughs> came on, 
and he was talking about how he had just met the guy who mixed front of house for Prince and told this funny story. And, and I was like, that's He's me talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I found you. So because of reason, you and I are connected. Ah, well, that's got to be a good thing. I yeah. guess you have a lot of DAWs in your life. I mean, guessing reason isn't one of them, or at least not that I know of. So, I mean, you know, sometimes you've got to stop, draw the line somewhere, right? <laughs> I used to actually lecture in, uh, and reason was the sort of thing that we, that I taught. Um, ah, okay. So yeah, but that was, that was quite a long time ago. Um, but no, I haven't really found a compelling reason to go back to it. Um, so this is, I mean, I think this is great, really, ultimately. I know a lot of people, there's been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of chatter about this. Some people aren't very happy about it. Um, some people are really smug about it. I don't know. It's a bit of a, it's, a, it's quite an interesting topic. It's definitely firing up the debate. But um, yeah. uh, I'm not quite sure where reason's place is anymore um you know when it first came out it was utterly unique utterly unique and um was brilliant because it was that thing that was so self-contained and you just didn't need anything else at all you could just you know computer and reason and, and you're good to go um all the big daws have all got incredible synthesizers and various things inside them now and have had VST or AU support. So I'm not quite sure what to think about Reason. I mean, I think the best thing about Reason, though, is just is it's, it's the loyalty it does um, engender in its users. So uh, it obviously is doing plenty right. And I think um, I, I never really liked the workflow, if I'm honest. I always found the sequencer a bit too fiddly. Um, I don't know. I'm not I got mixed feelings about it, but I think this is I think this is cool, and I'm just glad to see it still. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I mean, I think that, that there probably is, as with many of these things, there's stuff behind the scenes. I mean, I know that uh, I think there was a um, there was an announcement not that long back. Uh, where was it? Where they basically took on venture capital, uh, and I think possibly one of the one of the driving forces. Okay, we'll we'll put funding into the company, and this is one of the things we want to have happen. I mean, I'm guessing this. This this is there's no way verified, but. As soon as you get outside investment, then things have to happen that will keep your investors happy. So maybe that's part of the process, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing as long as it kind of keeps everything but, uh, happy. Well, so the thing I was confused about is how this is going to affect uh, rack extensions and whether rack extensions will sort of uh, just, you know, fall away. I know there's still advantages of using rack extensions for the more um, deeper integration into the rack, I think, Um the uh, but then I did read I think somewhere that there are that there will be ways for um, more integration of your VSTs within Reason or something I'm not sure maybe someone could verify that but um, you know rack extension I'm just wondering about all the people who've put a lot of time who've got their VSTs and then have been porting across to rack extensions and now, the... now they could just put their VSTs across yeah I take mm. your point but I, I suppose the thing about VSTs is uh, a rack extension is they're generally a little bit different, aren't they, as well? They have a sort of slightly different functionality. But again, I, I, I'm afraid I'm talking from a, a, a kind of viewpoint of ignorance to a large degree because I've not really used it. I, I, it doesn't feature, it doesn't give, I, I think where Reason really scores, and this is why people are very uh, feel strongly about it, is because it's kind of pattern-based or has been pattern-based and machine-driven and sequence-driven, it's all those people who are used to working that way, maybe from drum machines or from uh, other sequences or Fruity Loops or whatever, where it's very much kind of uh, 
pattern-based workflow, and that's evolved uh, with the, uh, the the audio tracks and that sort of thing. So now it's just a natural evolution, and maybe you know we'll see people wanting to try it because they can bring all of their favorite things into it and, you know, still have their sound sources and just try that workflow. So yeah. that's a good thing, right? I'd imagine a lot of people will go back to it. As 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 Chicky was saying, you know, I think a lot of people will kind of go, oh, brilliant. You know, they loved working in it and now they can do that. So I, I can imagine that that's a big driving reason for doing it. But yeah, so that's yeah, cool. I, I think it's good. I imagine a lot of people have, even though they may work on Pro Tools or Logic or Ableton or whatever, they probably have held on. The people who did Reason initially, they probably have held on to it because the the libraries, the sound libraries are yeah, just are really. really stunning, stunning libraries. You know, just really very cool, very useful things, um, very creative things. Um, it, you know, so I, I that's why that's why I had Reason Four for years and about. Uh, about three years ago, I decided to upgrade to Reason 8, and it was really cheap. And I did it because I wanted to hold on to all my old libraries because those things sound great. So like some of the keyboard patches I came up with, I love those, and I use them on so many things. So, yeah, why not hold yeah, on Yeah, well, to that them? makes a lot of sense as a sound source, absolutely. I mean, I guess that's one of the reasons that Rewire was introduced so that you could access those unique sounds. So that's also great. Anyway, um, I think it's probably a good time to uh, to, to to talk about uh, isotope, eh? Let's get uh, yeah. let's get that that part done. This is Isotope's Neutron, as we know, uh, or maybe you don't know if you've not watched the show before. This is uh, these are our sponsors, and they were, are telling you about Neutron, which is a really interesting suite of plugins that allows you, or system that allows you to kind of work on mixes in a very intelligent way. You know, we're used to listening to things on monitors. It's got uh, something called a mixing tool, which is a masking meter, which shows you kind of frequency collisions within the mix that are perhaps harder to hear with the ear, but fixing them creates a much cleaner and clearer mix, especially in the sort of lower mid and bottom end. You get these kind of much more clarity, and I guess in the upper mids and highs, you're going to get better stereo imaging and just a, a smoother and broader mix frequency. Uh, Assistant also will give you the opportunity to take uh, certain tracks, identify tracks and throw uh, processing on them, give you an idea of, you know, maybe you want to start if this is a bass guitar or a kick drum, uh, drums, whatever. It, it basically starts you on the road to a mix. It's not going to mix the whole thing for you, but it certainly makes mixing a much more intuitive experience if you want to try it out. Go to isotope.com forward slash neutron and uh, you can, as with all of their stuff, you can download a free copy, uh, a demo copy, which will last for, I think it's a 10 day and you can check it out and as you know um, they provided a prize for last week's competition and we have a winner for last week uh, last week's uh, winner is somebody called this is on Twitter called NeoRev at NeoRev he tweeted or she tweeted uh, Ozone is my number one go-to for mastering cheers for that and the hashtags that we asked for were the Mixed Doctor and Neutron so uh, NeoRev if you want to get in touch you will be uh, sent a full copy of Neutron. And we have another competition for this week. Uh, what we're looking for is the hashtag Finer Mixes. That's uh, one word, the hashtag Finer Mixes and the hashtag Neutron. Uh, tweet those to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So tweet the hashtag Finer Mixes and the hashtag Neutron to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And once again, we thank them for the sponsorship of the competition. It's very kind of them. Also, I would notice that RX6 is out as well, which is looking pretty fine there's some interesting new modules in there but maybe we'll get onto that in another episode who knows so um i, I did have another topic i'm just i'm just <laughs> flipping back to my notes now let's have a look what's the next thing uh 
Oh yeah, we could do well. We could go wherever you want to go. Really, there's there were a couple of interesting things here. Did you get the chance to check out the Sonic Couture thing? Did anyone get a chance to see that? Okay, nope. I'm going to press the button. Did you say no? No. Which one did you? I'm sorry. So, Sonic Couture. <laughs> Sonic Couture electroacoustic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll fl- I'll play this. It's an interesting concept actually. What they've done is they've taken a lot of drum machines, studio drum machines, you know, classics, put them through various kind of processes, but also just put them into a massive horn-loaded p- club PA in the big studio room and recorded the outputs. So you get these kind of sympathetic resonance, the extra sub bass. I'll turn that up a bit, really, in a room. And also uh, marked up a drum kit that resonates along with it. So you've got all these sound sources and you create these. And it it just strikes me as a really interesting idea because this is the sort of thing that we all probably used to do, have done, you know, with our own things. I don't know. um, Gaz, did you get a chance to check this out? Yeah, I thought it looks great. In fact, I went to do a session last week and to do exactly this (laughs) with a drum machine going into loads of guitar amps mic'd up. so I thought, ah, cool. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good way to breathe life into these sounds, really. And I think it's quite a clever idea, given that um, most people now will have a lot of these, cl- you know, plenty of samples of these uh, classic drum machines. But um, just to make them sort of have that that better presence, that thicker sound and a bit more uh, liveliness, I think it's a really good idea. I think, um, yeah, I mean... <clears throat> It's not as good an idea as doing it yourself. That's all well, but yeah, but let's get harder, <laughs> I'd imagine. I'll, I'll, I'll let this play along underneath a little bit. This is uh, some of these, they do sound particularly fulsome, I will say. So I will let this sort of work on the, <laughs> under the oar. Oh. Yeah. There we go. Hey, I don't know, Chicky, is this sort of thing that you would, uh, you would find a useful? Not only would I find it useful, uh, exactly nine years ago, I hired a TurboSound Floodlight PA system, <laughs> and I put it in uh, a reasonably large library room of mine at the time. I mic'd it up. I mic'd up various points of the room. I did uh, probably about eight channels per sound, and I hired, hired in, or either I had or hired in a bunch of drum machines and did exactly what this is. I, and that's <laughs> all I use. Ah, so you've got the same sort of thing going on. This, I've got it. I've got it. Surround sound. I've got everything. This is uh, they with this. This is also got. Uh, oh, there's someone. They're still playing. They also. Uh, so these are the drum machines: Lindrum LM2, 808, CR78, Bentley Rhythm Ace, Yamaha MR10. Now that sounds actually pretty good on some of these sounds as well. Uh, Oberhand DMX 606, 909, Drumulator. So all the classics, and then various studio channels. Lovely graphics as well. So it's contact. Yeah. It's a contact instrument, and it uh, basically will run in the contact play. You don't need the full thing. I think it's at the moment was it 139 quid? I think it expands to about 15 gigs. I don't know what the download is, but yeah, I like the look of this. I think this is. Uh, oh yeah, here's here's some of the. <laughs> yeah, love those horn loaded PA systems. Yeah. We were talking about this just the other day because of the fact that uh, we were listening to some of this stuff in. Uh, at Superboo, they had a big four loaded PA outside and they were just absolutely you know, firing it out. And it's just sounded awesome. I don't know, have you ever? Uh, I remember doing um, something similar to this when I first, one of my first studio gigs, uh, I, I took an 808 sample and I thought it sounded terrible because they did, they were notoriously difficult to sample. So I tried, I put it through a massively distorted, crappy spe- uh, amp 
I tried to sort of shoehorn it into the production I was working on. And I just, because of the amount of time it took to do, I felt I had to use it. But in fact, <laughs> I don't think it actually sounded any good, to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah, Gaz, you you doing the same thing yourself. So it's obviously great minds think alike, right? Uh, it's funny, yeah, because I just thought, well, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I, I mean, I've got this, I've mentioned about it before, this Vamona DRM-1 uh drum it's just a drum synthesizer it doesn't have a, a sequencer and um uh but the great thing with that is you can run out all all the all the sounds out as individual uh individual holes put them out through pedals into different speakers uh what i want to do and i think we're going to do on the next session is 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 to put every single one out into separate speakers and have the whole room mic'd up and i'm just interested to see what uh, a stereo mic will sound like of that just the way that all of it will oh that'd be know. interesting you go from the kind of dry mono signal to a sudden surround kind of yeah mic. that that would be quite a dramatic moment couldn't it yeah i mean because <clears throat> i think um there was something uh sorry slight aside i was listening to a just a one bar loop over and over again coming off that thing um and i was thinking why am i not getting bored of it i mean not i was playing along with it and and um, I just lined up the waveform and I just noticed that every single waveform was different, you know, just slightly different. And um, it, it did get me thinking that uh, that your brain is much more sensitive to uh, to hearing the same imprint coming back. So every time there's slight differences coming in, it just makes it interesting, even if the, the actual pattern remains the same. Just if the so. So I think uh, this. Sonic Couture thing looks great for that, for the, the fact that these relatively static sounds having more life, more more variety in them. Yeah, looks really cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's got uh, also got a Euclidean sequencer and a polyrhythmic sequencer and various other things in it. So it's, yes. uh, Ty, Ty mentioned it, actually, and he said it was uh, he, he really loved it. Uh, SonicCouture.com is where to go to check it out. Um, all right, then let's see what else have we got. We've got the reason one. We've got this one. Oh yeah, did you see this? Uh, I probably shouldn't play too much of this. This is uh, this was a great article by a guy called Al Horner about um, the Aphex Twin track Avril Seventeenth. That's all I'm going to play because we'll probably get busted. <laughs> but it sounded like it's just. It, I think it was done on a Yamaha Disclavia, so it's obviously done from some sort of MIDI files. And it's really, you know, not lovingly recorded. It sounds like it's just maybe a dictaphone or something. And it's done 38 million Spotify streams and ended up on all sorts of syncs. And, and you know, it's and and the story of it, this is on Fact Mag. Uh, I think we've got the uh, article up here. And it's just what it what it really sort of fired off in me was this notion how a track can take on a life of its own. Because I'm sure, you know, he probably when he did it, he probably never imagined it would in any way be quite so successful. And I can't imagine it must have earned a ton of money, but also had an enormous reach. And that notion of when you do something and it's gone and at a timescale that you may or may not have any control over. It might be coinciding with the promotion of the material or the release, or it might be several years later. There's just no notion, this sort of chaotic kind of notion that something can just suddenly happen like that. And I go, Charles, this is probably something that you've experienced, I'd imagine, at times. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got like, I put out an album of my own material, but under a different name in 2007, and it, nothing nothing you know it's just like a vanity project more than anything and then suddenly it gets picked up by extreme music and you know i i still get checks every two months you know from like 
it, it was used in some TV show or it was, you know, I just think, wow, these songs that I just thought no one is ever going to hear. And then, you know, suddenly they end up helping me invest in property in London. <laughs> it's, it's funny, though, isn't it? But I mean, that, that, that notion of the kind of concept of things just having a life of their own, because all the intent that one puts into the creation of music and yeah. the kind of what you... You visualize in your mind, you know, maybe you think, oh, this will sound great in a A, B or C environment, or it gives you a certain amount of emotional pleasure. And you just think, oh, that's just fantastic. And, and then that's all gone because something else completely may be, you know, you might find it synced to something that you think has absolutely nothing to do with the intent of what that original track was. I don't know, Gaz, have you kind of experienced that thing as well? It's funny, isn't it? The way that these things go. Um, no, <laughs> not personally. I still live in hope. Um Actually, I went to school in Hope. Uh, I did actually genuinely go to school in a place called Hope, <laughs> and, uh, which is a village in North Wales, um, next to another village called Kaigurley. And the old saying goes, um, yeah, live in Hope, die in Kaigurley. But um, uh, no, I yes, sorry. I, um, ah, I suppose it's just, re you know, get the music out there, isn't it? Get it yeah, out there. No, it's an it, 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 I tend to always hold on to things and I'm I'm terrible for it. I've just got masses and masses of stuff and I just I just haven't, you know, I've just held on to it and it just goes to show most of it's junk really, but you know, who knows. But um but regarding this Aphex tune, you know, uh, I always thought there was a lovely tender side to Aphex's music even in the crazy sort of noise of his music. He's always had a very astute sense of melody and um i remember back in the early 90s when he first came on the scene because i was sort of not involved directly with him but with someone on his label reflex um and one of the things that really made that label stand out in the time of this is like kind of happy house hardcore all this kind of stuff yeah just before the advent of uh jungle and drum and bass uh melodies they that that was the thing a keen sense of melody and long melodies as well melodies that take quite a while to to complete you know and um so i think he was always there i think he's always been very melodic so it's interesting that it takes a tune or rather maybe it's just the fact that that particular tune played on a piano it, people can relate to it more but if you listen to his music there's always great melodies in there Ah, so yeah, maybe that's true. I mean, that's but but again, it's a great, it's a great signifier of getting your stuff out there. He said, actually, not having done that himself, but I mean, you know, <laughs> that's me, of course. Um, so yes, go to yeah. it because you never know what might happen. That's the thing. That is I was, absolutely. I was going to say it's like you know, release and and release often. You know, it's like uh, that sounds like a metaphor for something sexual, but but really, it's like even even like you know, with uh, like you and I've talked about even even your stuff. It's like. Send me your stuff. I'll Get it out there, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, I'm, I'm working I'm working on getting the live rig back up together for a gig I've got on G in June at the Synth uh, synth Meet in uh, Hastings. Hastings. Oh. Uh, I can't remember the date now, but uh, uh, but uh, so I'm, I, I'm, what I'm intend to do is record all the tracks as I rehearse them and try and piece, because it's been months since I've done anything, so I'm going to I hopefully at least have some multi-tracks, so that'll be the next step. <laughs> Yeah. Vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. Yeah. Well, whichever, whichever. <laughs> we'll see how it works. Um, uh, uh, there's also, um, oh gosh, did you see this? This is, uh, yeah, this might lead to some interesting festival stories, don't you think? Oh. This is uh, the terrible, the terribly unfortunate 
episode of the Fire Festival. This is the lovely supermodel. This is what it's going to be like. You should come to the Bahamas and we'll have this fantastic <laughs> festival. This is Ja Rule and a guy called, a VC guy called Billy McFarlane, uh, which just went so so wrong and there seems to be very very little public sympathy for because the tickets were so expensive and it's a sort of it's a jet set kind of thing but it sounds like an absolute nightmare i mean they basically hired this uh 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 bahamian island uh which obviously didn't really have the infrastructure and they hadn't quite figured out what it might take and what might happen if there was bad weather and it just sounds like an awful nightmare and it's just turned out because there's only a small strip and i'm guessing you know, they've had to ferry people back and all these poor, um, poor young things have been sort of left eating cheese sandwiches and what have you, which I find quite funny in a way because nobody died. There wasn't any injury or anything. It's just it's just I don't think there was any malice in any of this. It's just this awful set of circumstances and poor preparation. Um, and it's just sweeping the news. And I think it's because there's a slight. Schadenfreude. Um, but it's I awesome. but but. Festival stories, you know. I mean, a, a poorly organized festival is not a very nice place to be, right? No, no, no. It, you know, it, it it is Schadenfreude because it's like I think I posted on Facebook something to the effect of uh, "There's something quite delightful about watching vapid, arrogant morons <laughs> fail spectacularly." Because I mean, it's it's really it, it, like all the people I know who were brought into this festival were like. As soon as they got in, they're like, what the hell is going on? And it, there was a lot of like, you know, people not getting paid and a lot of money was being held on to. There was just there was a lot of like combination of shady stuff and just arrogance going on. A lot of a lot of ego and non-communication stuff. And I just found it hilarious. Thank God I wasn't involved in it. But, you know, like Blink-182 did the right thing. They pulled out as soon as they sensed there was a problem. Um and you know it's also i think also in this in this time that i'm not i'm not anti-capitalist or anything like that but in a time like this when there are enough people suffering in the world to have something so blatantly gauche like this is gauche in the sense of uh god oh, no, i see what you mean yeah look at all the people with I, money what they're doing yeah, yeah I, I think so. i think it's just morally quite wrong it'd be one thing if you do that and you kind of have it as a secret it's a secret club fine but just to sort of just put this out there, like, you know, this is only for those of us really deserving. You know what? Screw them. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> that, kinda... it's inter- no, but it's interesting because, I mean, the marketing was, you know, obviously clearly worked and it worked in the way, in this, it, on the same level as, you know, things like Mulberry handbags and, you know, stuff high fashion, which I have no interest in, but, you know, obviously appeals to this kind of, uh, um, scenario where you you want to be part of something that you you can't quite afford or whatever but i don't know it, I, I take your point there i don't know um gas you've done a lot of festival gigs and sometimes yeah. it just rains and it's crap and mm. you know unless there is infrastructure there it can just be a nightmare right yeah i mean actually to be fair britain has really learned how to put on festivals now i think um britain has such such terrible unpredictable weather that uh that you know, they really have learned to manage to uh, organise festivals very well. In fact, most of the festivals in recent years that I've been to in Britain have been, you know, extremely well organised. It's as if there's a, a festival kind of guide pack available and they can just kind of, you know, get it right. Contingency uh, is the issue, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm genuinely extremely impressed by them. And festivals, there's so many of them in Britain now, so many, you know, 
not huge ones, but reasonably large ones. Um, so I think only by sorting out the infrastructure has that been able. I mean, in terms, of, I mean, for me, a festival though is like a like a, a sleeping bag, a flag and a cider and a bong, you know. <laughs> yeah. And sort of, uh, you know, and this horrible glitzy kind of oh god, it's ah, uh, I really yeah, don't call it festival. It's horrible. No, no. Uh, so yeah, you know, I I'm like the many who are really having a good old belly laugh at this, and yeah, good greed, money, ego, get out. Yeah. It's, not, uh, it's not the place, I suppose. Yeah, it, it, but um, well, hopefully uh, nobody has suffered too much on it, and they can kind of look, they'll look back on it, and it'll be like, oh, do you remember when we went to that festival that didn't happen? But I'm it guessing lost 20 grand. it lost twenty grand or whatever. But anyway, uh, I just thought I had to put it because it was all over the news, and I mean, you know, I've been to those festivals where the weather, you know, they have they have what what. In England, what they do well is they have the preparation because lots of people walking around in a field is going to get muddy. So they figure out this stuff that you can just put down over the mud so that at least you can get about and it doesn't yeah. just become like dangerous and difficult. And those are, and I remember one year, um, I may have told this story, um, I used to stage manage the... Ah, uh, uh, oh, you know what that is? That is some deliveries I've been waiting for for ages. I'm going to have to go and get yeah. that because it's the I'll third time they've tried to we'll, deliver. You we'll can't talk about you, you talk about festivals. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about festivals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, some of the mud fests. Uh, well, Glastonbury Festival happens in June in Britain, and June should be a beautiful sunny month, and occasionally is. Um, yeah. And Glastonbury. God, well, actually, Glastonbury used to always be sunny when I first used to go to it. And then once it started just to become overly commercialised, that's when the weather turned. I'm sure there's some yeah. kind of... Uh... There's a connection there. There's yeah. a connection. <laughs> um, but, but you're but right I... about, about all the British festivals. I, I do I go to about 15 festivals a year, not not as a fan, but as a you know to mix shows and stuff. And they are all so well organised. I really love the way festivals are organized in this in this country and and the european festivals are, are organized really well the eastern european ones especially are really nice but britain has got that down to a science um <laughs> whereas the american festivals i've been to uh, they need a bit of work you know it's kind of a new culture to them over there so they're they're getting new to the i mean yes they've had festivals like coachella and stuff for a while but but it's like it's still not quite in their blood but the the british Good, doing a festival is in their blood. They've got it down. It's a science. It's so well done. I love it. Uh, Fu Fuji Rock Festival. Have you have you done that one? I know uh, I haven't. I really want to though. I really yeah. Is a <clears throat> Massa the guy who who runs it? Uh, basically, had gone over to Glastonbury in the early nineties and thought, "Wow, this is fantastic," and wanted to basically, uh, you know, import that idea into Japan and. Um, they had a nightmare, the very first Fuji Rock Festival, that was in 1997, I think it was, and uh, was, on the, was on the side of Mount Fuji itself. And they had, uh, I think the Chili Peppers were playing, if I remember rightly, but uh, there, was a, there was a mad typhoon and it just completely destroyed the main stage. And, uh, and, but they managed to continue the festival from there on uh, the next year. But they moved the festival way away from Mount Fuji. Uh, it's nowhere near Fuji now. It's it's uh, it's in a different part of the country altogether. But they've retained the title. Um, but that was a. Uh, they've now moved it, so it's in in the bottom of a valley of a, of a big uh, ski resort. So. Um, <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank um, you, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> That's what a great story. Well, I figured if I'm going to leave the show to actually accept the delivery, I need to show you what I had delivered. So I've got oh, some okay. short MIDI cables for my live rig. Uh, with different colours, which I think is important if you're going yes. to be. Uh, so that's one thing. I also ordered. Uh, you'll appreciate this. This is the Palmer uh, hey! passive monitor control because I want to be able to control the volume of my output. That's oh, my idea. Yeah. I'm actually about getting one of those myself. And uh, I ordered a skin for the laptop. There we go. Ah, very good. So there we go. Thank you very much for <laughs> my story. Was I was going to say yes? It rained really hard. I used to stage manage the acoustic stage, and it rained so badly. Uh, obviously, everybody wanted to come to the gig, so it was a stormy night, and the tent was massively overfull. And the wet, the water, the the ground was so wet that the massive great stakes they put in the ground were starting to work out in the wind because the it was waterlogged. And you can imagine with like three or four thousand people in a tent, that gets quite terrifying. And I remember running around with sou'westers, you know, bashing these pegs, which are probably about four or five feet long, with sledgehammers back in, and it was really scary. But uh, so yeah, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure some of you are probably expecting what? toilet festival toilet um, <laughs> stories, but we didn't. I don't know. Yours might have been gas, but I, I don't want to. That uh, laptop skin, though. Show, can you show us a minute that laptop? What do you do? do you put it skin skin down? Uh, no, it's like a a little what? vinyl snap on coverage. Oh, coverage. So, so you snap it on, and it's just it's just like a plastic kind of skin. So you skin up then, do you? Is that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Very good. Oh. Very Can good. I add one more thing about a about horrible festivals? <laughs> just in that uh, fest yes. Well, this isn't a horrible festival, but uh, this the show I did. So last last summer I was on tour with Bare Naked Ladies, OMD, and Howard Jones. Yeah. Yes. And we played uh, Las Vegas in a parking lot in downtown Las Vegas. It was about five six thousand people. So imagine this: late July, Las Vegas, middle of the day gig. Hot, I'd imagine. 47 degrees to be exact. Jesus. Oh, oh. It was so bad that, uh, so part of Howard's, uh, his B and C cables that were for the, the antennae for the, uh, for the wireless mic, um, they, they, they had like, a, they were not covered. So they were just a little bit exposed in the sun, melted. The whole show, the whole show came apart like right in the middle of the set. Wow. That, I mean, the cable melted. I think Robbie, Robbie, Robbie was talking about that as well. He said that yeah. the computers wouldn't operate and the yeah. apps started to shut down and it just the whole thing just wouldn't work. I mean, that, but that sort of extremity is the thing that you've got to have contingency for, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Well, those, those laptops are not made to operate over in Fahrenheit. They're not made to operate over 103 degrees Fahrenheit and it was 110. Wow. So. <laughs> wow it was I, I was at well i was at my front of house console i was using a uh, profile uh avid profile and the internal temperature on that was 63 degrees celsius it was running so hot so Gosh. i had this huge like I, I have it around here somewhere this huge fan just blowing into it constantly to try to keep it from overheating and it just barely functioned jeez that's so, scary I know which doing, is worse. We're doing the same show. We're ah. doing the same show this July. We're going to go right back and do the same show. <laughs> oh, man. Acapella, it might have to be this acoustic time. Acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think an acoustic guitar would bear all that well in 47 degrees either. No. But, yeah, shoot. Okay. Oh, I was going to play. Before, um, there was one more topic, and I just wanted to, because I've got, I wanted to pl do a little plug for our uh, our Wave Junction synth. So, uh, oh, yes. I I'm love just that gonna, thing. Play I think the video will play. I'm assuming it will. It usually does. Well, that actually, wait. This is the, yeah. Here we go. This is uh, Max for Live synth. It's uh, in conjunction with Metafilter. 
12 slot mod matrix, three filters, five envelopes, five LFOs. Uh, if you're interested in it, it's uh, £19.95. You need Max for live and you need, obviously, live. Bitly slash Wave Junction will get you there. Uh, if you're interested, go and check it out. We've also got the free one, uh, which there's a link to from the same page. So bit.ly slash Wave Junction. Do check it out. That was a, a, a hastily. I thought, oh, I'll put that in the uh, in the show. Uh, have you tried it out? I know I did send you. I, I love I said, it. Oh, I excellent. love it. I sent you an email and told you I love it. I absolutely love it. Like, Because I, I, in here, I've got a 20-inch sub and the focals and stuff like that. And I just pulled up like the first patch. It was like, holy crap, this is great. <laughs> it was so good. I love it. I really love it. Because I've, I've heard a lot of these, uh, these Macs since, and a lot of them sound the same to me. But this, I love the way this stuff, like the, all the intermodulation stuff. It's my kind of thing. Absolutely love it. Good. I'm glad to hear it. And all the all the sounds in that track were made by it. And it it is a bit hungry on the CPU, but that's kind of the max thing. If you're doing this kind of level of uh, uh, it's full voice pop, uh, paraphonic, if you're doing that kind of thing in max, it is going to eat your CPU a bit. But priced accordingly, and all of those yes. things. Uh, there was another uh, quick topic, which was uh, let me see if I can find it. Ah, yeah, this was cool. Horror Sounds, this is the Apprehension engine uh, from a guy called uh, Tony Duggan-Smith, and it, it does sound... We, we've done the sounds of horror before. I like the fact that it's kind of almost the ruler on the edge of the table, <laughs> but... I'm already feeling a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> It's got like a hurdy-gurdy kind of thing with a string and a, a, an ebo type thing on another string and a spring reverb. It's very visceral. I, I, only because it is. There's no other... I think we did a topic where it was like sounds of horror and all that in the past, but I just thought, yeah, that's really cool. It sounds very atmospheric. I don't know. D have you done sounds for horror? I probably haven't yeah. asked you this question. You have, have you? Yeah, I have. Um... Yeah, I, I've done uh, most of it. I do using like odd synths. Like I use the OP one quite a lot because you can make really strange, chaotic sounds with that. Uh, but yeah, I love the sound of this. I, like that that demo, especially in stereo, just that sounds really nice. I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to build something like that because I don't think you could buy it. You'd have to build it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Absolutely. That'd be great, wouldn't you? You just get them along for a session and kind of go, yeah, check that out. What do you reckon, yeah. Gas? Yeah, cool. I, I want to have a go of it, yeah. I mean, um, ah, in fact, I am quite inspired to build something a bit like that now because um, just not for use, just purely for enjoyment. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, is it, though, that those sounds will become, um, I, I don't know, will those sounds become a cliche like... Uh, just... oh, well, the, the bow straight, the, the piano, the, the, the bowing yeah, of metal. Yeah, I mean... Or do they affect us in such a way that they will always work? You know, well, they're, actually, I physical. they're the wrong harmonics. I think that's why they're that's really uncomfortable prime. harmonics, which put you on edge, you know, and that's the, uh, that's the nature of it. It reminds me a little bit back. Uh, I may have said this, but, uh, uh, music messer, uh, a lot of the keyboard stuff was in the piano hall. So every morning would ha what would happen is people would be tuning pianos for like two hours. So you're getting ding, ding, mm. ding. And it really put everybody on edge at the beginning of the day <laughs> because it's just this constantly ascending and de it, it, it was really uncomfortable. And I guess, you know, this it, it's just, there must be a sort of psychoacoustic so, yeah, aspect. So it works on a more fundamental 
on a fundamental basis. Yeah, yeah good, good, nice, good to be, uh, good to be scared, isn't it? Yeah, I think some. <laughs> although I can't watch horror films anymore, I get, I'm a real chicken about it. I, I don't mind sci-fi, but I, I'm really not into horror films. It's the same as I can't. Ever since my daughter was born, I can't handle um, scary rides. Mm. Or uncom- you know, physics rides that make me feel physically uncomfortable, and I can't handle um, horror films. I just don't want to watch them. Really, I cur- think- I, and I don't know why this must be. Maybe it's a hormonal thing. <laughs> I think Jaws, Jaws was the, did it for me when I was little. I remember seeing it when I was small, and that bit where he swims under the, and it's that hole in the bottom of the boat, and the severed head just comes out. I think I probably saw that when I was seven. It was just the most terrified thing i think i'd ever seen and i don't think i've ever been as scared since i think that was it that was the the, the scariest moment. well again of course the music played a huge part in that i mean uh, yeah uh, i was was it john williams but it was john most williams, it was yeah. basically mostly stravinsky wasn't it really i mean yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it was john williams but mu- yeah. music plays such a big part of it but i don't know that but now there's this sort of sense of having to underscore everything that the music becomes harder to have the theme be as important because it's it sort of becomes almost subliminal rather than uh, um, a big part of it. I mean, I, I know that's not truly fair, but even some of the really beautiful sound of tracks that have come out in recent times, I mean, Zimmer's still pretty good at it and he gets the big themes in, but a lot of it's down to the, just the sort of underscore and atmosphere, right? Well, I was just thinking like, uh, you know, the, uh, what is his name? Johan Johansson? Yeah. That, yes. Yeah. yeah the, from uh, who did Arrival. I mean, I think about uh, specifically about Arrival. I mean, that that's not a horror film, but it, there's a tension about that film, and he really does portray that tension really well. I I love his work because I think it's it captures obviously the theme of the film, you know, the whole communication thing. But there there's an eeriness, an otherworldliness that's not pretty. It's otherworldliness in a very eerie sort of way, and that's kind of. That's what this device does too. It makes those kind of sounds. So I don't know if it's specifically horror, but it's otherworldly. And I think the thing you were saying earlier too about um, about the harmonics and so forth. You know, the, the human mind really does key into things that conform to the harmonic series. You know, that's you know the the direct intervals and so forth. Um, and I think when something doesn't match that, we we, we it makes us feel strange. You know, it's and uh, that's what this machine does. Is it just makes, makes you varies, feel strange? Makes you feel strange. It certainly does. Yeah, I love stuff like that. Excellent. Though. Right. Well, I think we're probably closing to a draw. I just like to point. This is the uh, unit that I bought. I've just noticed it's got mm. a bloody ding on the uh, corner, which I don't suppose oh. matters all that much. They only had one left in stock, but it's uh, oh. passive input, so you can have balanced in and a jack-in, and then a, a pair of balanced out, and you've just got a knob. Because on my system, I'm using the Behringer XR18, which doesn't have a physical volume control, and sometimes, you know, reaching, switching to a MIDI controller and turning it down isn't the same as going, Christ, or that's not and quite a, loud and enough. A mute, and, a, and a mute switch there, and a mono switch. Yeah, that's true. You're true. I remember and, because you, you had this at um, when we did our gig, didn't you? Yeah, and and mini jack-ins and, and mini jack-outs, which are always useful to have just... Uh, and it's all passive, right? Is that correct? Mm. Yeah, totally passive. Yeah, is... I'm actually looking at one online because I've got brilliant. the uh, Mackie big knob, and I, I want to get something that's passive. I've got the uh, I've got the 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 uh, TC level pilot, which is lovely, but I put phantom power through it accidentally, um, and it, it it's got a kind of weird position in it where it just goes. Mm, it 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 doesn't make a hum anywhere apart from 
full volume. <laughs> so oh, if you're at full geez. volume, it's quiet, but anywhere in between, it introduces this earth, and I think I broke it, but it's still useful. It's a lovely thing. Which one is it? The TC, which one? Level pilot. Oh, the level pilot. Is that passive also? It's this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I'm looking for like, some sort of like, because I have lots of speakers, as you can see, and I, I want to have, you want to get something that's passive that will handle three or more sets of speakers and at least three sets of inputs because I have the console. I have my XR18, similar to you, which I use a keyboard mixer. And then I have the actual Apollo interfaces. So uh, I want to have three different sets the, of inputs. Uh, isn't that the Personas, is it Central Station? or that, uh, that's... There, There's the the one that has like the separate box. Yeah. And like it's a remote. That's, I've been looking at that because that's pretty highly regarded. So yeah, that has multi, and I think it's got... Um, D2As, it's got SP diffs in and stuff like that, I think, if I remember correctly. Isn't there yeah. another one, and a step up of the Palmer one with more channels? In? There may well be. Uh, and, of course, the, the Mackie big knobs, in fact, it's really bizarre. I don't know whether it's just because of the sort of uh, titter factor of the name of the thing, but uh, when they announced a new series of big knobs, which have got the audio interfaces built in, and with a huge number of people were interested in those stories on the site. So there's obviously a kind of, you know, mm. there's obviously a, a, an interest for that sort of thing. I, I like the big knob. The only thing is, I could I can definitely tell that it slightly colors the sound, just slightly colors. Okay. The sound. So, well, I uh, okay. Well, fair enough. I mean, passive will unless you've got a specific sort of resistor network. Or something. I can't remember what it is. There's a there's a way to do it, and it's. I mean, this, I have to say, this thing weighs a blooming ton. It's really heavy. It's going to sort of double the. No, it's not going to double the size. Well, well I know. Uh, uh, Mackie does have uh, one of their big knobs is passive. It's a it's a no power non-powered unit it just you know works as a re i guess as a rheostat or something okay. like that so i mentioned that maybe but that's yeah. just, it's not enough inputs or outputs that's the only problem so right well thank you everybody uh that was good fun as ever i'm, I'm glad uh, you managed to make it and i'm sorry i left you in the lurch there well I, I got but but literally i'd had two and i knew if they didn't deliver it today that it would be going back to base and it would just be like ah that would be so irritating so now i am reunited with my purchases i'm very pleased i must say these little tiny colored midi leads like they're, yeah they, they're nice they're really where, cute where are they from yeah uh they are um design cable i think they're uh, megami and nitric they're not terribly cheap but i just i kind of need them because otherwise i've got a huge amount of cable dangling well i have got a huge mm. amount of cable dangling off the back of my live rig and i'm trying to kind of make them as few as possible so it's just a couple of mains leads and the balanced outputs but uh, anyway I digress. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, don't forget, uh, if you want to subscribe, where are we up to now? We've got uh, 99,918, so we're up a few. So hopefully by this time next week, and we should, because we were at 400, I think, last week. Maybe, for, for, yeah, for, uh, 460 or something. So we should, maybe by Friday, we should have hit the 99,000. And that's... Uh, no, in no small part due to our fabulous panellists as well as all our <laughs> other reviewers and of course you folks out there who have subscribed so thank you very much um, Charles thank you very much are you, uh, you off on tour soon or are you around for I, a little bit yeah I go on tour uh, next week uh, for Howard Jones I'm with Howard Jones all summer although I'll be in and out in, the, in London between now and July and then in July I head off to America and I don't come back till the end of August, and then I'm off, and then I do OMD for the rest of the year after that. Wow, that sounds like fun. Life on yeah. the road. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I hope all your gigs go well, and we'll see you in and out of that schedule anyway. I do hope so. 
And also, Mr. Gaz Williams, thank you for joining us too. Uh, Again, back on the road, going to those festivals. With I'm sure you have a a, a vital festival kit that you take with you for every time, whether it's uh, bin liners, uh, Wellington boots, and you know, a a, a sturdy waterproof. Speaking of bin liners, that, that is probably my most minimal festival ever. I think it was Glastonbury 93. I, that's all I went with, a bin bag. That's the only thing I had to sleep in. Was, just I said, one. No tent, just a bin bag. And, uh, you know, because that was a last minute thing, jumping in a car. Oh, I couldn't get, get time to get my stuff together. So just had a, a, you know, just a bin bag, you know, and then just trying to get warm in a bin bag. But um, You get very uh, wet in a bin bag because I remember uh, I, had, I had much the same thing. I had a sleeping bag, a ground sheet and a plastic sheet. And I slept under it one night and I woke up in the night and I was absolutely soaking because of all the condensation that had come <laughs> off. under, And it was just disgusting. <laughs> it was really vile. Now, I found my way to the Harry Krishna tent, though. You could stay there and get free food all weekend. It was great. But yeah. it was just a, a constant jam going on all in the same key. You know, all really bongos. happy people. <laughs> the bongos never stopped. <laughs> the bongos never stopped. So. Well, guys, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. That was episode uh, 490 of Sonic Talk. We'll see Woo-hoo. you next time. Mm.